0: From the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and, Emory and Henry. from the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia, this is Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. I'm John Schuck, I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. And today I am thrilled to present an interview with theologian Matthew Fox. Dr. Matthew Fox has been influential in my own spirituality. Uh, he takes seriously science and care for earth and deep ecumenism. And uh, he's also uh, gets—he's not afraid to get in trouble. He was silenced by the Vatican uh, by Cardinal Ratzinger, who later became Pope Benedict. Matthew Fox has written 30 books that have sold millions of copies, and by the mid-1990s it attracted a huge and diverse following. In 1988, he was forbidden to teach by then-Cardinal Ratzinger, who later became Pope Benedict XVI. Most recent books uh, so far are The Pope's War, Why Ratzinger's Secret Crusade Has Imperiled the Church and How It Can Be Saved, and to be released in September of 2013, Occupy Spirituality, a Radical Vision for a New Generation, Sacred Activism. And he is with me today on Religion for Life to talk about the the change within the papacy and what that means, as well as the spirituality of the 21st century. Dr. Fox, welcome to Religion for Life. Thank you, John. Good to be with you. Of all um, of, of the books that you have written, and they have been very inspirational, your original blessing uh, is really a primer uh, for m- my own congregation, uh, using the, the vias, the via uh, positiva, via negativa, via creativa, via transformativa, your works have been uh, on spirituality and growth. And this book uh, on the pope is, is, uh, is, in one sense, kind of about church politics, and, and uh, uh, which can be oftentimes rather distasteful. Uh, I was wondering uh, how how did you happen to come about writing that book, and and uh, h- how how was that process?
1: Well, um, you're right. <laughs> it can be distasteful. When I was writing the book, um, I uh, halfway through I put it on the shelf and said, I don't think I can finish this because I told a friend I felt like Oscar the Grouch living in a garbage can. <laughs> Because studying uh, the past two papacies uh, was very was a very dark experience. So I literally put it on the shelf, and I got an invitation to write the book on the Christian mystics, and it was a, a, a totally different energy, and um, it gave me the energy to finish uh, the Pope book after I finished the Christian mystic book. Then I was able to go back to the Ratzinger book and finish it off, and. Um, because the last third of it is, is not about the Pope at all. It's about where we go from here. So it, it is about um, um, pushing the restart button on Christianity. And my basic thesis came to be that um, really the Holy Spirit has given, given us two uh, schismatic Popes, 42 years of uh, darkness in the papacy, in order to end uh, the papacy as we know it and to start Christianity over and I think this is good news for both Protestants and Catholics. Um, so that's kind of the story of, uh, of what the, writing that book did to me. <laughs> now, um, the Germans and Italians have translated it, and a German translator, she wrote me and said, I cried many times translating your book because my generation has promised no more fascism. But your book proves that fascism is back in, in the Church especially the German ring of the Church, and uh, we have to blow the whistle about this.
0: You write in your book that uh, Pope Benedict uh, really is, is a part of a schism within the Church.
1: That's right. I, I call it a schism, uh, he and John Paul, too, because they have both turned their back entirely on the reforms of Vatican II. For example, that the Church is the people and not just the hierarchy and, uh, and uh, deep ecumenism uh, the wisdom found in all the world religions. I mean, Benedict XVI actually said that Protestant churches are not churches, and uh, the freedom of conscience has been destroyed. I, at the end of the book, I list 105 theologians who have been uh, silenced, expelled, uh, driven out of their work. Even uh, some even died of heart attacks. I was just one of those 105. But it's the Inquisition. It's the Inquisition is back, and Ratzinger was uh, in charge of it until he was made Pope, and then, of course, he kept it going. So um, all these elements are contrary to Vatican II, and in in Catholic tradition, a council trumps a Pope. A Pope does not trump a council. So they have been trumping the council uh, for 42 years, and therefore they're in schism. And uh, frankly, the way I put it is that every cardinal, bishop, and priest anointed under their um, era uh... is also in racism, so they don't have to be obeyed it, and it's a, a tremendous liberation i think catholics and others should just put their shoulders to the work of reinventing christianity and um, we have some wonderful biblical scholarship in our day around the jesus seminar but now i'm working with andrew harvey around what we call the christ path seminar um, and we just had our first weekend on this this last weekend here in oakland and we'll have them in pittsburgh another one in june and what we want to do is bring that other dimension to Christianity, which is the Christ tradition, the mystical tradition, into the arena, along with the prophetic, historical Jesus, um, uh, to create a, a real movement of return to our sources and uh, to get Christianity moving today.
0: So in a sense, uh, you're kind of moving away from uh, thinking that to reform the Church and, and starting uh, uh, with new uh, communities altogether.
1: Well, uh, new and old, uh, the way I put it is, look, some people are called to stay in the, the communities we have, some are called to leave, and some are called to be one foot in and one foot out. So you don't have to exclude anybody. Uh, but we do have to shake it all down and get, distill it. We have to distill the real teachings of Jesus in our great mystics and prophets and uh, and become mystics and prophets ourselves. And uh, I think this is essentially what the base community movement Liberation theology was about until, of course, the last pope. Well, really, beginning with John Paul II, they linked up with the CIA, as I made clear in my book on the Pope's War, uh, in order to destroy liberation theology. And um, but the the movement, that movement, not unlike the civil rights movement of North America, is one of the most Christ-like movements for the last 500 years. And it's uh, appalling that the um, that the Vatican. Uh, Set out to destroy it and re- replace the leadership. So for example, in for the Latin American Church, with Opus Dei cardinals and bishops, and Communion and Liberation uh, cardinals and bishops. And these people are both a very, very, very right-wing uh, sects uh, that um, are, uh, are their, their own. Th- the only theology is to obey the Pope. That's all the theology is about. And. Um, it's really quite scary that the Church has been turned over these. Now, with this new pope, who in fact is a member of communion liberation, um, some light is being shed finally by the media on these movements, and people can see what my pope book is all about, is, to tell the truth there, what's been happening the last 40 years in Catholicism, it has been hijacked by extreme right-wing groups, not just um, ideologically... Uh, religious, but also uh, governments. Uh, like I say, I, I prove I, uh, that documentation is there. What the CIA did under Reagan to destroy liberation theology, working with Pope John Paul II.
0: And so, this uh, new Pope Francis, one, uh, you don't think is uh, is going to change any of that? Is he part of of the of the system of 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 what the Pope papacy has become already?
1: Well, I hope and pray. That he does change it and that he does fly out of the cage of communion and liberation. But the truth is that communion and liberation is violently opposed to liberation theology based communities. Uh, and he too uh, was uh, not at all uh, friendly to uh, uh, liberation theology based communities. And these stories coming out about his. Um, expelling two of his Jesuit priests when he was a provincial of the Jesuits in Argentina, and they they then being arrested and tortured by the military junta. uh, That's really quite disconcerting. But the truth is, everyone uh, can uh, change, be converted, be redeemed, and I hope and pray that he will, as Pope, uh, grow out of immediately the communion liberation ideology, which is so narrow, and and um, it comes through in his talks about gay people and and so forth. Uh, uh, that is their ideology. That uh, uh, that and he calls that the gay movement in in Argentina, the the work of the father of lies and so forth. So that's all kind of scary, but uh, one can keep one's fingers crossed and hope that he um, that he grows and grows rapidly in his new position.
0: If you're just joining us, this is Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, public life. My name is John Shuck. My guest is theologian Matthew Fox, and he is uh, talking about his 2010 book, The Pope's War, Why Ratzinger's Secret Crusade Has Imperiled the Church and How It Can Be Saved. Um, uh, Just one more question about that, then I want to move on to uh, more, uh, I think, exciting topics and the topics that you've been working on of a spirituality for the 21st century. But can you tell us, uh, for those, many people think, well, this is a Roman Catholic problem, but really uh, the Roman Catholic Church and the papacy has influence on on the whole world, doesn't it?
1: Well, it does, absolutely. Um, uh, We can see this in so many areas. For example, the United States, the Supreme Court. Uh, uh, Citizens United was voted on, uh, uh, affirmed, by five Roman Catholic judges. And, um, and these five judges, uh, four of them are extremely right-wing, and several could be opus dei. And um, the opus dei is very embedded in the American media. Uh, in fact, unabashedly, a few months ago, when Ratzinger was still pope, they hired a new media person for the Vatican, And that person they hired from Fox News, and that person was Opus Dei. And um, Opus Dei is a fascist organization begun by a fascist Spanish priest, um, and it's a secretive organization. It goes where the power is. And they were very strong in the CIA for many years, and um, the biggest spy ever in American history was uh uh, it was now in jail they uh, hollywood did a movie called breach which is the story and a true one about him um he got away for 20 years in the fbi uh giving away our national secrets to the soviets he got more of our spies killed than anyone in history and he went to mass every morning and uh was a very very rigid right-wing catholic and uh So, uh, by definition, Opus Dei goes where the power is. When I was in Germany a few years ago, I went there when Rotzinger made himself Pope, and I pounded 95 theses on the door at Wittenberg. And a journalist took me aside in Frankfurt uh, to the downtown. He said, see all these new skyscrapers being built? He said, every one is about finance, because uh, financial headquarters are moving from from Switzerland to Frankfurt because of the Euro. And he said, at the top of each of these skyscrapers, will be Opus Dei. So they're very, very strong in European finance. And I might add, too, when I was pondering the theses at Wittenberg, the first question for the media was, is this just about uh, Reformation in the Catholic Church? And I said, no, this is about Reformation for the Protestants, too. The night before, I was with the Lutheran pastor there in Germany and told him what we we're going to do the next day, and he said, and I said, so do you think we need a Reformation? He said, do we need a Reformation? Four percent of Lutherans are practicing in Germany and in Scandinavia. Of course, we do. So, uh, what we're talking about is, is shaking up and shaking down and distilling. I think the whole um, well Christ path uh, movement and uh, and you know it's needed. Obviously, the 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 earth is literally uh, in flames. It's, it's uh, burning up and. Uh, and we're, we're sitting passively and allowing these extreme right-wing religious groups to uh, dictate uh, the very uh, discussion. Uh, obviously, fundamentalism has taken over so much of Protestantism, and uh, now the Vatican fundamentalism is doing the same. So, yeah, it's time to rattle some cages.
0: Well, that's what I was thinking. It's not just a a Catholic movement at all. In a sense, uh, I can think of uh, even my own denomination in many respects and and, uh, Christianity at at the Protestant level of also becoming more and more fundamental. And younger people, uh, I'm finding, have have simply just uh, dropping out in droves and looking for alternatives and and true spirituality that can be spirituality uh, for the earth and uh, that uh, takes seriously science. And that's what you've been working on for your whole career, I think 40 years or more, uh, and, and the idea of creation spirituality. And many people may not be familiar uh, with what creation spirituality is. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes. Um, well, it, it begins with the theology of original blessing instead of original sin. And the idea that the Earth is a blessing, that our um, existence is a blessing, that the 13.7 billion years of the cosmic unfolding that has made our our uh, lives possible and all the beautiful species with which we share this planet, all this is blessing. Of course, blessing is a theological word for goodness. And, um, so this shifts the table, certainly on, on, uh, on Christianity, because since Augustine in the fourth century, original sin has dominated the consciousness. And certainly you have it in Calvin and in Luther, uh, and, and, um, You have it less so in the pre-modern mystics like Hildegard of Bingen and um, Meister Eckhart and even Aquinas, because um, they were living in in a more ecological, cosmological awareness, uh, whereas the modern era uh, was so anthropocentric that it set us up to think the number one uh, religious question is is my sin. But it's not. The number one um, religious question is about thank you for the gift of existence and the health of our, of our uh, planet and of our bodies and of our minds and souls. So it's definitely a, um, a shift, a paradigm shift. And, and this is the oldest tradition because Jesus never heard of original sin. No Jew has ever heard of original sin. The big difference between the fall and original sin. And it was Augustine who, who um, changed the story from the fall to original sin. And um, you can ask, well, why has this caught on if Jesus didn't even believe in it? Well, it served the interest, political interests, of the empire. And Augustine came along at the time that the church inherited the empire. And if you're going to run an empire efficiently, original sin is a great idea. because <laughs> It makes everyone um, get in line and, um, and also doubt the, their own beauty and their, their empowerment and their creativity and their, uh, their, their divine likeness, including the power of compassion. So um, it has served political interests, I think, for a very long time.
0: And um, and also, your work uh, includes understanding and accepting uh, the insights of of science of uh, our thirteen point seven billion year old universe and all of the amazing discoveries there. And and uh, I find myself frustrated that uh, uh, much of theology and from often from the Protestant angle is just kind of. Uh, doesn't actually even take it seriously
1: i agree and um, again a a great reason for that is that protestant grew up at the time of of modern consciousness emerging and that meant the printing press the printing press i think was a decisive moment in the birth of modern consciousness and so we became very text-oriented and so we reduced the idea of the word of god to words in a book but that's not the tradition Uh, Thomas Aquinas, again a pre-modern thinker, said Revelation comes in two volumes, the Bible and nature. And who do you study uh, nature from? Well, scientists. Therefore, what scientists are doing is unveiling, that is, showing the revelation of God in nature. Now, we also know from the latest biblical scholarship that Jesus comes from the wisdom tradition of Israel, which is the creation-centered tradition. It's nature-based wisdom. And that's present, obviously, in all of his parables, but that is his lineage. And so, um, pre-spirituality goes back to the very first authors in the Bible, the J-Source, and it's thoroughly present in all with the wisdom literature, which is what fed and nurtured Jesus, historical Jesus. It's also part of the Cosmic Christ tradition, because it is a mystical tradition that the Christ is in all things, the Logos is in all things, the light of God is in all things. So all beings become revelations of the divine. And so this is something Protestantism has to shake off, and that is the anthropocentric understanding of logos, or word, as words. Uh, um, God's word is the universe, and the universe is 13.7 billion years older than the Bible. And both are sacred. And, uh, you know, we have to wake up to this. And, of course, with the demise of Mother Earth happening right in, front of our eyes today, uh, one would think that it shouldn't be too hard to wake up and recover the sense of the sacredness of the earth and get to work to um, to, uh, to, to, to save it.
0: Where do you see uh, some of this waking up occurring? What, what do you see as some positive signs that uh, uh, this this spirit, the spirit of Jesus or the spirit of the cosmic Christ uh, is, is moving through people?
1: Well, I think wherever there is um, ecological awareness and action to do something about the crucifixion, what I call in my book the Cosmic Christ, coming to Cosmic Christ, the crucifixion of Mother Earth, the crucifixion of the rainforest, the crucifixion of the polar bears, you see, um, if Christ is present in all things, then that also means not only is Christ the light in all things, but the wounds in all things. Uh, but the oceans today, we, we, we're told that 17 of the 19 fisheries of the ocean are essentially fished out today. So it's everywhere that the Christ has been crucified. So wherever people are rising up and, and, um, and taking action and, and intelligent thought and, and scientific um, investigation into not only what is happening, but how we can reverse it. And this could mean people working on alternative forms of energy. People working on cars that get 100 miles a gallon. Um, there are so many ways in which our creativity can be put to work uh, to, um, to, in a sense, uh, take Christ down from his cross. Uh, wherever that is happening. And you mentioned earlier, young people, many are are not showing up in church. They're they're voting with their feet. And um, that's what my new book is coming out in in September is about. Is we interviewed... I did it with Adam Bucko, who's a wonderful young man working with street youth in New York City. uh, We interviewed a lot of young people about their attitudes toward religion and spirituality and the rest. And there's no question in my mind that this generation is very eager for spirituality. They're less interested in an organized institutional religion. And for good reason, my goodness, when they were 10 years old is when the, the news about pedophile priests hit the air and these pedophile priests were abusing 10-year-olds. So there you have it. This generation, especially the Catholics, had been raised uh, in that context. Why would they be, uh, what should I say, particularly uh, keen on listening to priests and church officials when this has been the milieu in which they've uh, come of age uh, ever since they were 10 years old? So um, uh, you'll notice rituals, for example. I mean, the 50,000 people who go to Burning Man every summer in August, and it's not exactly pleasant out there in the desert and there's sand everywhere and, and heat everywhere, but it shows the yearning in the human species today for ritual, for worship, really. But um, again, I say that worship has become so boring in the West that even the angels have left church for the most part. Um, I've been working for years now with what we call the Cosmic Mass, taking raves into the liturgy. And instead of people sitting and reading texts and prayers and being preached at, uh, people are dancing and, and using VJs and, and DJs and rap and all these wonderful new art forms that the young people have at their fingertips to tell the sacred stories of, uh, of our people and our histories, various histories, and of our, our yearnings. And in the context of uh, the Eucharist, communion, and all the rest, so it is a mass, but it's um, it's a, a risk. say it's it's, it's reinvented um, uh, using uh, today's parlance, just like in the 12th century when they invented stained glass. I think that uh, the whole architecture and the whole energy of worship was uh, reinvigorated by that particular technology and creative invention.
0: If you're just joining us on Religion for Life, my guest is theologian Matthew Fox. Uh, You can find his website at matthewfox.org. He's the author of the uh, to-be-released in September of 2013, Occupy Spirituality, a Radical Vision for a New Generation. And I think sometimes, uh, Dr. Fox, uh, we can look at the crucifixion, as you say, of Earth, and be overwhelmed by it, uh, looking at, at the problems of empire and that these problems seem so intransigent, we seem so small. Uh, do you have encouragement for folks who are want to be uh, want to occupy spirituality but feel overwhelmed by it all?
1: Well, it is important to ground oneself. Uh, I think meditation is extremely important because that crowns a reptilian brain. And obviously our reptilian brain... Um, is not going to solve our problems. Uh, uh, so it needs to be tamed and domesticated. That's what meditation does, I think. Uh, the mammal brain is very important to engage in a whole new uh, 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 potential because it is about compassion. The mammals bring compassion to the world. That's why the word for compassion in both Hebrew and Arabic comes to the word for the womb. To so the mammals, the womb people bring compassion kinship friendship and all that. And then our most recent brain, the um, neocortex, the in- intelligent creative brain, this needs to plug more into the compassion brain and less into the reptilian brain, which is busy um, destroying the earth and uh, creating war and havoc and uh, and uh, 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 being what can I say a, a, a falsely masculine. Ideology of uh, winners and versus losers and being number one and all the rest of that. So um, I think we have to uh, put our all of our brains into gear and, for that matter, all of our chakras. And, this, and religion should be helping us do this, not resisting it. But unfortunately, you have people like Cardinal Ratzinger who actually wrote a document saying Christians should not do yoga because it will get you too much in touch with your body. I think that's really, really... It's not as funny a thing as you can think of, because the truth is, it's because we're working out of our heads only and praying out of our heads, and, and our education is so heady that we are destroying the earth. And we're, lowering, we're ignoring those lower chakras where indeed we do connect to the earth and where real energy flows uh, through us all. So, um, you know, there's just a, a real... Um, It's really important that individuals who ground themselves in their earth, in spiritual practice, find out what works for you. We're so gifted today, it's like a banquet, because we have so many practices from East and West and Mideast to draw from. But one thing we're doing, Andrew Harvey and I, in our Christ Path Seminar, is we're digging into the Christian practices, uh, which in many respects have been lost or or, or ignored, because we Westerners have many practices that... um, that we need to do at this time in history. You don't have to go east to uh, develop practices that ground you, and um, and then you just ask. You know, you ask God, you ask the universe, what can I do at this time with my gifts, with my talents, with my contacts. You know, but you do have to localize, as you say. You have to localize your contribution because otherwise you can uh, freak out from uh, from too too many options or or from being um, overwhelmed. Uh, Howard Thurman, the great African-American mystic who so inspired the Civil Rights Movement and Dr. King, he used to say, the more we relate to the universe everywhere, we must relate to something somewhere. So in other words, the more we do grow in our cosmic awareness and appreciation, the deeper our roots have to be. So we do want to go deeper into our roots of our and study our own mystics and our own prophets. And uh, there's so much to learn there to water our right brains with.
0: Matthew Fox has been my guest on Religion for Life. Do check out his website, MatthewFox.org, and, uh, and pick up, uh, you can order his new book, uh, The uh, Occupy Spirituality, A Radical Vision for a New Generation, uh, which will be released in September of 2013. Dr. Fox, thank you for your work, and thank you for being with me today on Religion for Life.
1: And thank you, and thank you for your work and your fine questions.
0: You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. My name is John Shuck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. More information about this program, including links to podcasts, can be found at religionforlife.com. Follow us on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETSFM fm in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC in Emory, Virginia. Be well.